Allow me to transport you, beloved listeners, to a remote windswept island halfway between Tasmania and Antarctica. Macquarie Island, a tiny speck on the map. 34 kilometres long, it's a ridge that rises out of the sea and every year it's visited by around 4 million birds, thousands of seals and a handful of humans. It's a place unlike anywhere else on the planet and it is said that a visit there changes you forever. This year, the federal government plans to massively expand a marine park around Macquarie Island, creating a protected area, I'm told, is the size of Germany. And whilst the island is now a green jewel in the Southern Ocean, its next great threat is, of course, climate change. Now, joining me to reflect on the island's past, present and future is Dr Ben Arthur. Ben is a marine ecologist, a science communicator and director of the Macquarie Island Conservation Foundation and he joins us well, halfway down there in, in Hobart. Ben, would you take me back to your very first visit to Macquarie Island as a researcher? What are your memories of that initial encounter? Good evening, Philip. It's very much a memory full of excitement. I was a, a kid who who grew up watching David Attenborough nature documentaries and taping them off the ABC and making my parents put them in the VCR and watching them over and over again. So I remember leaving Hobart and we actually had a very pleasant voyage down on the Aurora Australis, the old um, Antarctic Division icebreaker, um, which is very rare to have a, a smooth trip to Macquarie Island. We were very quick, about two and a half days. And woke up early in the morning and it was actually my birthday, um, mid-October, <laughs> which was a wonderful birthday present to be greeted um, with this green island in the middle of an otherwise um, seemingly empty southern ocean. Um, and the, I guess the, the, the buzz of excitement and then the disembarking of the ship onto a, an, an inflatable Zodiac boat and being driven ashore to then step ashore and having to dodge elephant seals and, and penguins um, to make your way uh, to your accommodation and what was then my home for the next six months. So it was certainly a whirlwind of a day. I understand that your first task was to research elephant seals. That's right. I was actually um, I was actually tasked myself and, and another researcher at the time to um, to do population surveys of the elephant seals on Macquarie Island. So that involved us uh, walking the beaches every single day um, to look at animals that had been um, tagged in the past, and that helps us understand uh, a lot about their population demographics, um, you know, how old they live to, what age they breed at, etc. Um, and also deploy um, satellite tracking devices on them so we can can get an insight into what they're doing when they go to sea. So I was very lucky. I, I got to spend six months basically hanging out with, with one of the most amazing animals on, on, on the planet, really. I understand that uh, the place is affectionately known as Macca or the green sponge. And in introducing you, I talked about those millions of birds. And there's a wide range of them, isn't there, from penguins to the albatross. Yeah, Macquarie Island. It's like a lot of subantarctic islands. There's there's not many of them, and if you if you look at a map of the Southern Ocean, it's 
vast amounts of water and not a lot of land. Um, and if you're a if you're a penguin or an albatross that needs to lay an egg, or a seal that needs to give birth on land, the only place to go is a place like Macquarie Island. So these these little specks of land are these magnets for vast amounts of wildlife that congregate on them. So. <laughs> Macquarie Island has, you know, in the order of 100,000 seals that call the island home. Like you said, 4 million penguins across four different species, um, four species of, of albatross um, and species that are found nowhere else. So the, the royal penguin um, is is Macquarie Island's penguin. It's Australia's penguin. It is found nowhere else on ben, the world. it's interesting, isn't it, that there's one bird or seal for every square metre. There is, there is, but then of course they're not evenly spread out across the whole island because um, most of them live on this thin strip around the coast. So even though there's there's one animal every square meter, they are packed in to very small areas. And if you've ever seen an elephant seal, which can be four or five meters long, um, it's physically impossible to fit an elephant seal in one square meter. They're just too big. And the animals are unafraid of humans. They are, um, and. That's one of the, the lovely things about Macquarie Island is it's a rare part of the world where nature still rules. So humans come second. Um, and these animals are completely unafraid of humans. So if you're an elephant seal, you're much bigger than I am. So it kind of makes sense that you wouldn't be afraid. But even the penguins, you can walk along a beach and sit down and you will have um, half a dozen king penguins or, or Gen 2 penguins wander up to you just to say hello and check out who you are. They are completely unafraid. I love the story of uh, an elephant seal falling asleep against your door, trapping you inside. <laughs> yes, I was I was in a field hut um, halfway down the island one one evening um, by myself and woke up the next morning to discover that I had a, a molting male elephant seal who'd fallen asleep um, in front of the the one and only door of the hut. Um, and it took me a good half an hour or so to convince him to, to move on so that I could actually leave and, and get on with my work for the day. Talking about your hut, what's on the island now in terms of man-made structures, Ben? So there is a, a research station which is at the very northern tip of the island and that was um, that's run by the Australian Antarctic Division. That's been there since 1948. Um, and then to, to support... Um, work field work out in the field there are um, a number of field huts dotted around the island and the only way to get between those areas is is your legs there is no infrastructure on the island there are no roads um, you have to basically you know, navigate your way around the island so it's a, it's a very special place now they, apart from accommodation there's a mess a doctor surgery workshops and of course power generation facilities Absolutely. I mean, when you are living on Macquarie Island, the, the, the station and the research base has to be entirely self-sufficient. We get um, a couple of ships visit a year to, to resupply the station, but for the rest of the time, you are a very isolated community that has to look after itself. So everything is there um, to enable, um, you know, in winter, a dozen or so people, in summer, maybe 30 people to, to live and, to be, to be fair, live in, in relative comfort. Between 14 and 40 humans per annum. That's right. So it's 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 an interesting place in that there could be thirty or forty humans sharing this island with um, four or five million animals. So when I say the humans come second, they absolutely do, certainly in numbers. Let's now talk about the place's dark past. Tell us about the sealing and oil industries on uh, on Macca. Yeah, so you know, Mackinac is is this kind of jewel of of, of conservation, and, and it hasn't always been that way. The island was um, discovered in 1810 
um, by a chap called Frederick Hasselborough, who was um, an Australian. Who named the place? Was it Hasselborough? I know it's named after uh, a certain governor of New South Wales who also is remembered in Macquarie Street and rather, well, a bank. Yeah. Uh, bank as well. Yes, you're right. It was named after Macquarie, um, and it, it, Hasselborough um, claimed the island. It was obviously claimed for Britain back in the in the day, and I believe he proposed the name um, of Macquarie Island. And um, he was actually searching for new sealing grounds. Um, and shortly after he discovered it, um, an industry began at Macquarie Island. And initially, it was actually for the fur seals um, to 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 get their fur to go into the fur trade. But that industry didn't last very long. And in less than five years, um, a quarter of a million fur seals um, had been taken for their pelts. And that industry effectively collapsed, that the fur seals had been driven to extinction on the island. Um, And we know from genetic studies now that um, effectively the fur seals were wiped out almost completely from Macquarie Island. Certainly they became economically extinct. And we know that the, the, the first seals that have since returned to Macquarie Island have actually repopulated from other sub-Antarctic islands. Um, it's, it's quite mind-boggling to think that a quarter of a million animals could be removed in, in less than five years. That was the kind of appetite for, for fur at the time. Well, in a little more than a century, 144 vessels are recorded landing at Macquarie. So uh, it was a very busy place. It's it's kind of hard to believe now that, that having 144 vessels um, in that period of time shows you, I guess, the, the resources that were taken off the island, um, mostly back through ports for places like Hobart and so on, and then, and then spread around to, to the rest of the world from there. So with the fur seals on the edge of extinction, the sealers then shift to your uh, elephant seals, and I guess that was to get their oil for lighting? Yeah, so the elephant seals, if you've ever seen a photo of an elephant seal, they're a very large animal. They have a very thick blubber layer. Um, and the sealers realise that could be rendered down um, in, in big big boilers, big digesters or tripods um, and turned into oil for, for heating and lighting. So um, it didn't, again, take very long. That lasted that industry for the elephant seals for around about 17 years. Um, and then, um, I guess, maybe somewhat predictably, um, in hindsight, the elephant seal numbers also collapsed. Now, in 1890, the islands transferred uh, from New South Wales to Tasmania and the government leases it to a bloke called Joseph Hatch and he has an oil industry based on penguins. Yeah, so based on penguins, you can kind of, I guess, get the picture that we're starting to get a little bit uh, desperate now. You don't get a lot of oil per penguin, so you need an awful lot of them. Uh, so so Joseph Hatch um, had the lease for the island, um, given that most of the fur seals were gone, most of the elephant seals were gone. The really only m- remaining resource there was um, the penguins. So the penguins were rounded up in, in vast numbers and and fed into these um, digesters and, and, and you know, boiled down um, for their oil um, that way. I'm talking to Dr Ben Arthur about maca, the green sponge, and uh, I guess there's a lot of leftovers down there. There must be heaps of uh, rusting appliances. 
there is. You can you can walk the beaches and, and go to the areas where the, the the sealing and penguin industries used to be, and you will see very large um, rusting digesters. You will see um, the old tripods, which kind of almost look like a cauldron. Um, and in a way, there's this lovely juxtaposition because there's a there's a particular area um, about halfway down the east coast called Lusitania Bay, which used to be a big um, oiling area. Now it's home to the largest king penguin colony on the island, and these, these lonely, rusting digesters are marooned in the middle of a penguin colony, which is several thousand, or several tens of thousands of penguins strong. So the penguins have kind of taken back over that area, which is kind of nice to see. Enter the heroic Sir Douglas Mawson, who has an enormous impact on the place. Yeah, so Douglas Mawson visited Macquarie Island as part of uh, his Australasian Antarctic expedition um, between 1911 and 1914. And the main reason he visited is because he needed um, a radio link between Commonwealth Bay, where his Antarctic expedition was set up, back to Australia. Um, and Macquarie Island was really the only speck of land that could do that. So they landed ashore um, you know, principally to set up that radio link. And he was disgusted by the slaughter of wildlife. He was so. You know, while his team were there, they obviously undertook some some very early geological and and, and biology work, and they were there at the same time as the the sealers um, were there and the, the, working on the seals and the penguins, and um, they were quite, I guess, aghast at um, what was happening to what he termed as as a jewel in the southern ocean and he actually um you know lobbied the government at the time and it was it was really back down to him that the island was declared a wildlife sanctuary um in 1933 thanks to the efforts of his lobby and more recently it's been designated a unesco world heritage site now in march 1948 the Australian National Antarctic Research Expedition established the Macquarie Island Research Station and it's been operating continuously ever since. It has. So the Antarctic Division runs that research station now. Um, it's been obviously running since the, since the 40s and it supports um, some really important research, a lot of um, permanent ongoing research. The Bureau of Meteorology um, has ongoing weather observations there. It's an important um, part of uh, long-term um, nuclear monitoring um, because of the, obviously the clean atmosphere down there enables that. Um, lots of geological work and, and biological work, obviously, on the species there. Now, the sealers left behind another enormous problem, ferals, mice, rats, rabbits, cats. But remarkably, the place achieved pest-free status. How? Yeah, so the cats were the first to be eradicated in, in the kind of early 2000s. The last cat um, was was shot by, uh, by a hunter. Um, and then that left... I guess some of the the more um, herbivore pest species, the rabbits, the rats, and the mice, and um, it was really a coordinated effort um, to eradicate those species that started in 2010. Um, actually, when, when I was down on the island um, last, the team came in, um, a, a, an amazing team from uh, state government, federal government, um, and also our our friends, the Kiwis, who are kind of world experts at eradicating islands, and it took. Um, five years of efforts um, with a mixture of releasing things like Khaleesi virus, with um, releasing baits, and then with shooters and, and, and trained dogs to finally um, be able to declare that island free of all those three pest species, which was a remarkable achievement. More good news. The government announced 
that they want to expand the protected marine zone around Macquarie Island. As I said in introducing you to cover a rare area the size of Germany, what will this mean for the sort of activities that can occur? So it's difficult to say because we haven't yet been provided with the full proposal. Um, in marine protected areas in Australia, they can actually be broken up into a number of different zones and those zones can have different uses. So the current um, Macquarie Island Marine Park um, is actually spread across two zones, a sanctuary zone, which is the highest level of protection where really not much can happen apart from ships sailing through, um, and also a habitat protection zone, which enables a little bit more activity. What we're not yet clear on is um, with this expanded area, which is which is very welcome. You know, any proposal to expand the protection of the waters around the island um, is is very welcome and, and fantastic. But we're yet to, I guess, get the the, the real details around what's going to be allowed um, in each of those zones and 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 how the, the map is going to be drawn around the island. So um, we're waiting to see that full detail as part of the I guess the the public comment phase, which is um, which is coming shortly. Not everyone is happy with the proposal to expand the protected area, including the fishing industry peak body. I mean, like I said, we haven't really been provided with the full details of exactly how the map is going to be drawn, um, what zoning the marine park is going to involve. Um, There's a public consultation period that will be open shortly, I understand. That's when all those full details will be available to all stakeholders um, and we'll be able to provide input um, back to the minister as part of that proposal. So it's difficult at this stage to, I guess, um, you know, make an awful lot of comment on exactly what's going to happen because we're really not entirely sure. We've got to wait for all of the the nitty-gritty details. Now, there's another issue, which is probably the biggest threat, and surprise, surprise, it's climate change, Ben. Yeah, so, you know, like most parts of the world, you know, the climate is changing. Um, It's a highly maritime climate. Um, The temperature doesn't fluctuate a lot during the day or even across the season. Um, Typically, most days, it is very, very windy and there is always some form of precipitation. What we've noticed in recent decades is um, warming. Um, So last year in February, the island recorded a 17-degree day, which was absolutely staggering. The previous record... um, was 14 degrees, so it absolutely obliterated that record. And also changing rainfall patterns too on the island. So even though the island overall rainfall isn't necessarily changing, instead of getting that one or two mil every day, it's now clumping. So we're getting higher rainfall events, days where you get 10 or 15 mil of rain, which the island isn't used to. Um, and the plant species aren't, aren't used to that. We're also seeing changes to the oceans surrounding Macquarie Island. Those those oceans are changing, they're they're, they're warming, the chemistry of them is changing. And that obviously is the main food source for the majority of species that live on Macquarie Island. They forage in the ocean. So how that is affecting the prey that these animals feed on is another question um, that we're going to try and, I guess, get a bit more of a handle on um, with research in coming years. I've been talking to elephant seal advocate and uh, macca, the green sponge advocate in Dr. Ben Arthur. Ben is a marine ecologist and science communicator and he's the director of the Macquarie Island Conservation Foundation joining us from Hobart. Good on you, Ben. Thanks, Philip. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.